Hi, this is Bishop David Zubik from the Diocese of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, and it's uh, so good to be with all of you for uh, these next several minutes. When a uh, reporter uh, interviewed me recently about the first anniversary of the Pennsylvania Grand Jury Report on child sexual abuse by Catholic clergy, I tried to explain both my devastation and my hope through the lens of Good Friday. When Jesus died on the cross, his followers felt betrayed, thinking that everything he had told them was somehow not true. Some people were crushed by the tragedy of his death, not sure of what direction to take in the future. The leader among his disciples denied knowing him. A few women and just one of the twelve apostles stood by him, bewildered and brokenhearted. Good Friday was the result of horrendous sins by all of us human beings. Our wrongs, then and now, set in motion a chain reaction that harms others. Jesus was a victim of every sin in that chain, but his death paid the price for our sins. Even as we repent and do all that we can to make amends, his death and resurrection have freed us to move forward in new life as a community dedicated to his mission of love and mercy. As the Church, our Good Friday occurred during the past year, as we have faced together the significant challenges rising out of the very public review of the most reprehensible sins and failings of some of our clergy. Our resurrection hope is that this has called us to be a more holy Church. One of the questions that some Catholics have asked me during the course of this past year is this. Are you sorry? Are you truly sorry for the pain the victim survivors are living with? Are you sorry, truly sorry, for all the distress, rage, anguish, and betrayal that many members of the Church have felt? The answer to those questions is, yes, I am sorry. That is something I've said many times before in public and private. Long before last year, I began to apologize on behalf of the Church to those who had been abused by clergy. The most public forum was in services of apology that I held first in the Diocese of Green Bay in 2006, and then in Pittsburgh in 2009 and 2016. It's also something that I have done many times in conversation with victim survivors. Their response has often been, Bishop, we don't want to hear that you're sorry. We want to see what you have done as a result of your being sorry. The issue for the victim survivors and the sign of true repentance is not one of words, but of deeds. That is why I wrote my pastoral letter, The Church Healing, with an action plan at its heart. The five-point action plan in The Church Healing explains what the Church has done and continues to do to repent for the abuse that some people experienced in the church. The five points are, number one, healing and enhanced support for victim survivors, their families and loved ones. Number two, greater financial transparency. Number three, increased accountability. Number four, ongoing spiritual and human formation for clergy and seminarians. And number five, continued listening to seek truth and reconciliation. These points embody my commitment to continuing action. 
Doing my best to help victim survivors has always meant expressing my sorrow and shame that a priest could abuse anyone, especially a child, and seeking to do whatever was in my power to prevent it from happening again. That is repentance. The abuse can't be dismissed as something that happened long ago. Each of these children and young people was and is infinitely precious in the eyes of Jesus. Yet some priests to whom he entrusted care of their souls instead shattered them. For that the Church must answer to both the victim survivors and to God. As Church, we must acknowledge what victim survivors have suffered. We want to walk with them on the path to recovery. We must become a Church in which they feel welcome. My prayer is that the Good Friday of the victim survivors will eventually become their Easter. Reaching out to healing those who have been most wounded by the Church is crucial to my call as a bishop to bring people closer to Jesus and to guide them toward heaven. When Jesus spoke of seeking the lost lamb, we often imagine a lamb that just wandered off. But some lambs were chased away by wolves, and Jesus expects his shepherds to seek those lambs out, to comfort them and tend to their wounds. That is why we focus on responding to those who were sexually abused by members of our clergy. The call to care for those who suffer extends to everyone in the Church. It is a part of Jesus' call for his followers to act together in his name, to mend what is shattered, to comfort the brokenhearted, and to aid those in trouble. When we see Jesus in every broken heart, then we will be a Church renewed. Those who stood by the cross on Good Friday were also the first witnesses to the resurrection. Standing at the cross is not a passive act, but one of strong commitment. It allows the Holy Spirit to work through you and me. And so, if you have reached out to listen to a victim survivor and conveyed your sorrow for what they have endured, then the Holy Spirit has worked through you. If you have prayed for the church and its shepherds, then the Holy Spirit has worked through you. The Holy Spirit brought the first believers together as a church yesterday and will continue to bring anew those in the church today. Like Jesus' disciples on Good Friday, we have struggled to make sense of the events described in the grand jury report. We pray that our faith will guide us through our confusion and lead us to our Easter. Through our efforts to heal victim survivors and protect our children, we are hopefully rolling away the stone. We are honoring the presence of Jesus among us and of his Good Friday, his Easter, and beyond. God bless you all.